Hello and welcome to the Lakeovian Report, episode 5. This time, the government is refusing to publish austerity reports, Rishi Sunak bizarrely tells the truth for once, and the country is now quite literally swimming in a sea of its own sewage. Indeed, Theresa Kofi has refused to publish reports into how many people might have died to, to cuts to welfare and austerity policy. Uh, this is despite the fact that previous work and pension secretaries had promised to release them. Uh, now, it's worth noting that by other organizations, it's estimated that about 17,000 people have died between 2013 and 2019 whilst waiting for decisions over disability benefits. Now, that's only a fraction of the people who are actually estimated to have died as a direct result of austerity policy. And multiple NGOs and other groups have blamed austerity directly. The United Nations report says that austerity didn't work back in 2012. The British Medical Association condemned it as COVID's little helper in 2020. It's a failed policy and multiple organizations have acknowledged this except the government. So the fact that they're not releasing these reports is a pretty obvious indication that they know it's failed and they just don't want to look bad. It's probably also worth noting that the UK is a signatory of multiple treaties that recognize the fundamental right to food. In other words, the basic right to food is recognized by the British government. You have a basic human right to eat enough, yet millions currently don't as a direct result of austerity policy implemented by the government from 2010. Human Rights Watch blames austerity for the massive rise in food bank usage. It was thousands in 2010, and now it's millions in 2022. I mean, no wonder the Tories want this kind of thing hushed up. If these reports are published, then they will show barefaced how much the government has deliberately screwed people over. I mean, ask yourself this, if a government intentionally pursues policies that it knows will lead to the avoidable deaths of its own citizens, what is that other than state-sanctioned murder? You can't say it's an accident because they're intentionally pursuing these policies that they know will kill people. So what is to be done instead of austerity? Because at the time the government was saying, oh, we can't afford to do anything, we have to make cuts, there's a recession. Well, this isn't true, and we know it's not true. In 1929, after the uh, stock market crash that caused the Great Depression, a different option was pursued, in the USA at least. The New Deal with Keynesian economics. In other words, the government stepped in and essentially spent its way out of the recession. It provided jobs for millions of people. It uh, built huge amounts of infrastructure. It raised taxes on the top 1% and 10% to 93% in the top marginal bracket, i.e. high taxes on the rich. <clears throat> in the upper marginal areas of their income. And this led to what was called the golden age of capitalism after the war. So it works, and we know it works. And austerity doesn't, as pretty much every organization of repute has said. Austerity is, at its heart, a failed policy. And as long as the government continues to pursue it, they will be intentionally causing the deaths of more people. <laughs> So Rishi Sunak has told the truth about tax cuts. I know it's not consistent with his character, but he did it. He admitted it. He said tax cuts for the people on lowest incomes, those who are, quote, working very hard uh, on the national minimum wage, are worth very little, like a pound a week. 
and it's worth absolutely nothing for pensioners, but it is worth a lot more for those who are wealthy. So he's finally admitting it. Thatcherite economics do not work for most people. You can't just cut people's taxes and expect poor people to suddenly be much better off. It doesn't work like that. Liz Truss, however, is continuing with her old agenda, and to be fair, part of Sunak's plan still involves cutting taxes, so he's moving away from it in rhetoric, but not so much in practice. He's not really proposing anything better either way, uh, just picking holes in his opponent's policies, but he is still right. You know, cutting taxes now isn't going to help anything. As I said in the last segment, you need more taxes on the rich, more taxes on corporations, close the tax loopholes, stop letting them use tax havens, and then we'll have a lot more money to spend on actually improving the country and getting ourselves out of the recession. Without an emergency package right now, <clears throat> excuse me, nothing is going to get better. It's only going to get worse. And and a strong emergency package is what we absolutely need right now. Even Martin Lewis has been saying this. He's been pretty much begging for government intervention to cap the price of fuel. It's desperately needed. I mean, 80% or something like that of pensioner households are going to be in fuel poverty uh, in the next couple of months. So if he's not proposing these emergency budgets, if he's not proposing this enhanced support for people, he is willingly and knowingly condemning millions of people into deeper and deeper poverty and not doing anything about it. If he does not immediately and swiftly start proposing big policies, universal basic income, cap and capping the wholesale price of fuel, they did this in France, they did this in Spain, they did it in Portugal, it worked, nationalizing energy companies, you know, big emergency, even if it's temporary policies that will actually help the people of the country, then he is knowingly and willingly subjecting people to poverty and fuel poverty whilst doing nothing about it and only trying to win over this tiny sliver of the electorate who is going to elect him, the 200,000 odd uh, Tory party members and very few other people. So Turning Point UK, famous nutcases, are being unhinged once again. Um, they've said that diversity, inclusivity and equality stuff, die as they love to call it, should be dopped, dropped in schools and not taught anymore. Um, and instead combat training should be brought in instead for all pupils. Die is not taught in schools outside of maybe like a few lessons in year seven like in PSHCE where they just say don't be racist and stuff it's really not something worth having a problem with and it's hardly a, a drain on the taxpayer's money and even if it were it's still for a good thing surely you know not being a racist knobhead also why combat training really I think that's a pretty terrible idea given how rough a lot of British schools are I mean it, you know, they're already stabbing each other. We don't need people roundhouse kicking each other as well with perfect accuracy. Supply teachers would be bullied to death if this actually happened. Um, <clears throat> so that enough is, a, you know, should make it obvious that this is a stupid idea. Um, also, militarized schools are kind of fascistic. But, you know, I mean, what most of what Turning Point UK says is anyway. So I, that's hardly a criticism for them. So, uh, yeah, for the sake of the supply teachers, don't teach kids combat skills in schools. The world's leading providers of food are now reporting record profits, especially for the top four of them. This is due mostly to a 20% surge in the price of food. 
The United Nations Special Reporter said that the fact that global food commodity giants are making record profits at a time when hunger is rising is clearly unjust. This is coupled with the fact that the UK, as I've mentioned, has signed multiple treaties that recognize an inalienable right to food. Therefore, for anyone to be lacking food is a breach of their basic human rights and a failure of the government to comply to their own human rights treaties. But profits are being put up of feeding people, which is profiteering, plain and simple. I mean, globally, enough food is grown to feed the entire population of the planet and then some, yet 345 million are going to be food insecure, according to the UN. Basic essentials are essentially being ransomed to people. When so much is grown, why would any just society allow people to starve when they don't have to? What just society would not provide a basic standard of living from which people can grow and build upon? A genuine meritocracy, if that's what people want. Yet through deliberate policy of the government, allowing profiteering to continue, more and more people in the UK and abroad are facing food insecurity, not having enough. If something is such a basic commodity and necessity that everybody will need, why should they have to spend part of their hard-earned money on it? Why should it not be provided and guaranteed, at least for those who desperately need it, those who literally can't afford anything? Should they Surely they should be provided with enough to live on. They shouldn't just be left to starve. When we have so much food, most of it wasted. At the very least, a guarantee of food for all, maybe not you know, not nationalization or free food everywhere, but at the very least, some distribution sponsored by the state to those who don't have enough, because charity doesn't work. It can't cope with the sheer influx of people who need food. More checks on food companies as well, preventing shameless profiteering, maybe a cap, a temporary cap on the price of food for emergencies. You can't run a fair society where there are so many people who don't have access to basic nutrition. And this isn't even a matter of laziness. Most people who use food banks are now employed. They're working hard, they, but they're still not making enough. No fair society would allow people to work as hard as they do and then not provide them with enough money even to buy food. Always remember that when companies like this are reporting massive profits, it's not going to you, it's being taken from you. So now, water companies are dumping raw human sewage into the sea all around the country. What a great benefit of Brexit, eh? We get to make our own laws just like this. And this is a UK law. No other European country is doing this. Nothing like raw, unfiltered sewage to brighten up a seaside town. I mean, at least it'll check the uh, egos of those arrogant knobheads in Cornwall. Ooh, we have the best county. Shut up. Pipe networks all over the country are crumbling, believe it or not, and water companies are only replacing 0.005% of them each year. Fun fact, that means it'll take them 2,000 years to replace all of them, which is a little bit beyond the average lifespan of a pipe, which don't actually last that long, by the way. Companies are putting their immediate profits above long-term suitability, and this is pretty much what happens when you're stupid enough to privatise basic essentials like water. It happened with trains, broadband, fuel, and now with water. In the Great Depression, 
a new deal in the US led to massive public works and projects to build vast amounts of infrastructure, which is still in place today. We could do this ourselves and it would be and we'd be better for it. We could renationalize the water companies. That doesn't mean free water for everyone if you for some reason hate that. But it would mean cheaper water bills and it would mean an infrastructure that isn't crumbling constantly. At this rate, I wouldn't be surprised if they're building lead pipes. If you genuinely care about leveling up, and I'm sure most of you do, then this surely is the kind of thing you'd want to be advocating for. Coordinated infrastructure upgrades across the entire country, and at the very least, not dumping untreated sewage into the water. I mean, if you're going swimming, just close your mouth. I mean, this isn't even about politics. If the Tories started doing this and, you know, forcing water companies to upgrade, I would support the policy, but they're not. All Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss really want to talk about is banning strikes in the public sector, which is a pretty Victorian policy, if you ask me, and not major things like this. <clears throat> Repealing the law that they voted for, which would allow companies to do this. Now over to America or maybe Romania, I don't really actually know where he is at the minute, but Andrew Tate has been banned from pretty much all social media. He was banned for hate speech and numerous other terrible things that he's done and were pointed out, like beating a woman with a belt and videoing himself doing it. Now, most normal people would look at that and say, yeah, okay, fair enough, he probably shouldn't be, he probably shouldn't be, you know, on social media giving advice about how to treat people when he's videoed himself beating someone with a belt. But there is obviously a lot of anger because he has a lot of fans. But the the anger over his being banned is twofold. It has two main arguments as to why he shouldn't have been. The first angle is that free speech. Fair enough argument, but the response to this is that free speech protects you principally from the government, not private companies, and he was banned by Facebook and Twitter and that sort of thing. So his right to free speech doesn't actually play into it. But even so, should he have a right to the free speech to say what he's saying? No, probably not. Whilst a small fraction, perhaps, of what he says is reasonable, he's endorsed free speech, uh, free healthcare, sorry, in the United States, or easy abortion access for most people, the vast majority of what Andrew Tate has said is blatant and obvious uh, misogyny and hatred, and he's built a brand from it. Hustlers University, um, it is a pyramid scheme. Uh, that's, that's probably well known by this point, but people are financially incentivized to just spread whatever he says, and that's his brand. The controversy and Hustlers University, his pyramid scheme, is what drives his success. Should someone like that have such a platform? Well, a lot of people say, yes, it's his right to free speech and you should be able to watch him and discern what you think is reasonable and what isn't. Now, that would make sense, but a the vast majority of people who do watch him and actually think he's a nice person are very young, impressionable young men who don't take what he says with a pinch of salt, who can't sell what is reasonable and what is obviously not. And for that reason, no, he should not just continue to be allowed to say whatever he wants. So even on the free speech side of things, the ban was justified. He went beyond and was effectively condoning violence and defending his own violent attacks against multiple women. The second attack on his ban is 
well, for one thing, mutually exclusive with the first, um, it says that it's people saying that uh, other celebrities like Cardi B, who has admitted to drugging and raping a man, are still on Twitter. So why should they not be banned? First and foremost, the whataboutism doesn't mean anything. Tate is still an awful person. But second, yes, they should also be banned and probably imprisoned, as should Andrew Tate. You have to be ideologically consistent. If you think that something is bad, uh, beating people, I think we can all agree that that's pretty bad. So ban it. Andrew Tate, banned. Cardi B, banned. Even if one of them were to get away with it, it's still good that Andrew Tate was banned because one less bad person is still better than no less bad people, you know? But on top of that, Tate was actually spreading his own beliefs and encouraging his behavior. I mean, most people don't really listen to Cardi B for her takes on gender relationships, but they do to Tate because that's his brand. So when Andrew Tate is doing the things that he's doing, it's a lot more harmful than Cardi B bragging about it once and getting away with it. So even from this perspective, the ban is still justified. You know, people are actually copying what Andrew Tate's doing. Very few people are being inspired by Cardi B to start drugging people. Her impact is a lot less severe than his. Sure, she should still be banned and arrested, probably. But that doesn't mean Tate is any more innocent. He still should. He's an openly abusive, violent man whose ridiculous takes are causing genuine harm to young men who can't tell the difference between his hatred and something more reasonable, like free healthcare. He's a con artist. He runs a pyramid scheme that everyone knows is a pyramid scheme. And he's under investigation for human trafficking. The ban was absolutely justified, and I fully support it. I don't know how anyone couldn't. Thank you for watching the Lokovian Report, Episode 5. I apologize for the week break in upload schedule, but I was reeling from results day. I did well, don't worry. Anyway, I'll uh, thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.